Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your number one Big Ten football-specific podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. I'm on Twitter. I'm Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Big Kurt on Twitter, at B1GKURT. As always, I know I just said it, but we very much appreciate you listening. We love it even more if you share it. I, I, I picked up one new listener this week on my travels. So that's, nice work. That's one's better than taking somebody away, right? So that's that's an improvement. I, w- I was talking to an Ohio State guy last night. Hopefully get him to nice. give it a listen. Nice. So then I was actually also thinking, too, I was in Cheeseland oh, this okay. week. So I, I did this really quick right before we started here. Right. So I just in the last about year and a half, since right. this is okay. a – a Big Ten football-specific f- podcast, which yep. means we are trying to reach everybody that's in the Big, Big Ten footprint. We're kind of doing a pretty good job, actually, in our travels with our mm-hmm. jobs, hitting okay. states. So it. Wisconsin, Got obviously it. Minnesota, yep. Iowa. Mm-hmm. You've been to Illinois in yep. the last year and a half, right? You were just in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I was down with my wife, with her family, in Nebraska. Okay. Um, I'm kind of stopping after Boy, that. Boy, uh, I have not Indiana, been to Indiana, no. Ohio... Michigan, but I was in Maryland. Yep. That was somewhat recently, right? Yeah, very recently. Not in Jersey. Okay. So the only four states we have not hit, basically since we started recording the podcast, are Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, and New Jersey. We got some work to do. But I've been to Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, and New Jersey. I've been to every... I I realize I've been to every single state in the Big Ten football state footprint, however you want to say. Me as well. Um, First couple things that would pop out to me, uh, as far as female michiganders okay craziest people on the planet really uh two two mission two female michiganders <laughs> okay. i dated okay. in my younger days okay. and it i i can't even express to you how big of flaming dumpster fires both cases that that was I so dated one michigander and she was pretty cool yeah yeah okay so i guess that offsets yeah. it to show you how stupid i was one of them was when i was like 24 or 25 okay she got crazy third third fourth date <laughs> some okay. third or fourth week and to, to show you how dumb I was, she lived literally a block away from me. Yeah. So there was absolutely no way to avoid her after that. And those are things you That's, learn. The, yeah, you, you got to learn that one once, <laughs> and then you never do it again. Absolutely uh, not. Date a Jersey girl. She, yeah. She yep. was a little, eh, a little, <laughs> yep. little off. Yep. Little off. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, Kurt, Big Kurt and I had all the biggest attentions in the world to make this probably our fastest podcast not that we happen. have. And then about two hours ago, I came up with an idea, and now we're going to do that idea. So this will probably wind up being, you know, our typical should be around fifty-some minute podcast. Yeah, we'll see. Close to an hour. Uh, so what we're going to do is just quick run through uh, Big Kurt's specialty, which is of course housekeeping, and then we are going to do a little report, pretty yeah. s- a special on-site situation. Um, we were invited by a listener, Jim in Minnesota. Yeah. And I think you would very much want us to specify that he is a Nebraska fan. Oh, yeah. Not he would a, want us to make that very clear. <laughs> not a Minnesota fan. Uh, but he invited us to a practice. We went to a Minnesota go for practice to give you your thoughts on that. That was going to be the podcast. And then we decided, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll There'll be some PJ talk with that, uh, which I course. think will lead us pretty, pretty uh, smoothly. Nice transition. Into... We, we decided to go ahead and rank the Big Ten coaches. This will be fun. So we'll start bottom, work our way to the top, and, yep. and see where it's at. So uh, first up with housekeeping. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. All right. Let's start with a good one here. Purdue has renamed the student gate 
at Ross Aid Stadium, the Tyler Trent Student Gate. Uh, and you it, know, when I saw it, my mm-hmm. first reaction was, "Well, of course, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's so great." But you know what? I didn't think of it before then. Neither did you. You know what I mean? Like, great job by the Purdue. PR team yeah. to come up with that and and do it. Absolutely. Fantastic uh, idea, and it looks like they already have his name up on the gate already. So. so neat. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, I normally wouldn't bring up something like this. It's a little bit trivial, but I, I'm bringing it up for a specific reason. Iowa defensive tackle Davian Dixon has been academically cleared to play and has left the transfer portal. I say that because it's so important to Iowa's defensive line next year. And uh, it very much so is, and... It's just nice to see the transfer portal spit somebody back out in a yeah. good way. Right? right. I mean, me and you have both had our thoughts on yeah. frustration with coaches and announcers that think kids transfer and willy-nilly is the yeah. greatest thing in it's the wrong. world. It's, it's nice not. to see where some guy actually stayed. Now, in a related story, Illinois offense, offensive tackle Larry Boyd has not been cleared to play o- academically, and he's still in the portal. Larry doesn't like going to class. <laughs> he ain't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, finally, I want to bring this one up. Due to, quote, turf replacement in Kinnick Stadium, the Hawkeyes will not be holding any open spring practices this year. Sorry, can we remove wet blanket status? Away? No, no, no okay. this this is only affirms my wet blanket status for Kirk, for Kirk Ferentz because that's a BS excuse. Hey, if, you, if you're fixing the turf. You don't think what? they could have worked around practice? Give me a break. <laughs> Talk about genius PR. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. Kirk Ferentz, you are a wet blanket. That's all I have for housekeeping. All right, so that will get us into the second part of the podcast. Um, I, I would like to preface this by saying I, I wanted to make sure I, I checked with my brothers and some Hawkeye buddies. Is it okay for me to go to a gopher practice? Was I cheating on my you know black and gold okay. blood i see where and, you're going. And, and categorically there they said oh no if i had a chance to go to a practice and you can fit in the schedule go ahead so uh, after i got the clearance i was very excited to go to practice and check out a live form of college football well and you know what it reminded me first of all is that football is fun wasn't it just great being there i had a blast it, absolutely yeah absolutely. it was great meeting jim Jim's a yes, great guy. Great. And and uh thanks so much for he bought us beers and some he wings. Did. Yeah, that thanks was, again, that Jim. That was phenomenal. So that was all good. So yeah, once I got clearance from my uh Iowa buddies and brethren, uh it was it was into the gopher football facility to be able to hang out with Boat Boy and I don't know if that's gonna become our <laughs> His signature call. Um so we'll just uh we could we could start with the the facilities. Like where where do you want to start? Okay. You take it. Let's start with the facility. Beautiful, right? Yes. State of the art, brand new facility, real high ceilings. I, I'm pretty sure that you can punt in there if you wanted to, right? Oh, and no doubt. Yeah. Um, and which brings me to a, a larger topic. Don't you think pretty much all the Big Ten teams are kind of they're on par? They're all on, on the same you, par. You I have mean, I I tried I have tried to get extrapolate information. Mm-hmm. Specific to Big Ten football teams on who has what for facilities. Yeah. It's tough. It, it's tough. You'll see a all top about equal. 25 ranking across the country, and yeah. I don't even know how much work those people put in compiling Very that little. list. Yeah. Um, yes, it is my thought process that pretty much everybody has a safe inside uh, field to practice on. Um, not to say that that uh, uh, we're trying to just poo-poo 
the Gophers, but it's it's very much no, like everybody. Very much else's. the opposite. It's yeah. a beautiful facility, and yeah. they didn't have that as recently as what four years ago. Well, yeah, I think ago. it's about two years old, yeah. if I recall, which is incredible. This might only be the second spring they're in it actually. Yeah. So when we first walked in, um, I mean, the first <laughs> impression. I, I don't know where exactly you want to fit this in, mm-hmm. but um, I think I one thing one thing that I was expecting mm-hmm. was the hip hop music playing, which is so cool, right? Like it, it's. The first time I saw that at a practice, it stood out as so different, but it makes sense, right? Yeah. It energy, just keeps right? the energy up. We're, we're all about the energy. Yeah. Um, so that was that was very much what I was expecting. The part that I was not expecting yeah. is that uh, PJ Fleck, or as we lovingly call him, Boat Boy, he has some sort of battery pack and, and microphone hooked up on his person. Yep. And whenever he talks into it, the hip hop music stops, cuts off. It is PJ's voice reverberating through the indoor practice facility to the point where I don't think hardly any of us could understand 60% of what he was saying. I couldn't understand most of what he was saying. I imagine the acoustics are such that it's all directed onto the field. Same we were off to the, to the side, but obviously he loves hearing himself. Now, I'm going to defend him a little bit here. The sound was not traveling well in that facility. He, you might need that for everyone to hear you. I guess so. But I just, I always thought it was a situation. I mean, what I remember is the head coach bounces from offense to defense and around to the different position groups. Yep. Basically, you're getting coached that day by your position coach almost right. completely. The when the head coach just jumps into a drill or points something out, the intensity is always ratcheted up a little bit because you mm-hmm. know the head coach is there and whatnot. But with PJ, the whole the whole practice stops when he's got something to say. Yeah. Well, what did you, what was your overall thought of how the practice was run? Um, the energy was right when we got there. They were really, really flying high. around. Yeah. And then after that, it calmed it down a normal, quite a bit. It was a normal practice. Yeah. I guess I I was driving over there with preconceived notions mm-hmm. on certain things, and one of them was that. I was going to see some new fandangled, you know, uh, practice techniques sure. and, and individual techniques. Certainly things then, have evolved yes, in since, 20 years. Yes, in 20 years since I was on a practice field. They really weren't that much different. No. Um, I had, I, you and Jim were nice enough to walk over with me. I'm like, hey, let's get from this corner. I wanted to go over yeah. by the D-backs because, you know, that's what that's the drills that I know the most from from my time at Iowa. First thing they were doing was what I would call the W drill, just yeah. you know, backpedaling up, which is what we back- did in high school too. Absolutely, yeah. so absolutely no different there. Yeah. Um, another drill that they did where you just have the uh, defensive back coach point in a direction mm-hmm. or another, and you know, and you're playing wide receiver against your D back yep. teammate and stuff like that. Long story short, is every drill that I uh, looked in on was one that I'd seen before, other than the one where they were right up against the sideline and they were just practicing throwing the ball yeah, that out was interesting. and batting, yeah. batting the ball back into the field uh-huh. or or jumping on the on the ball. You know, it's time well spent with something. It, I think so, yeah. I, anything that could happen on a football field is sure. worth practicing. Yeah, now going back to the music, they have good musical taste in Minnesota. They were playing Beethoven at one point. Uh, <laughs> I was pretty excited about that. But it was like 90% hip-hop music. That yeah. I, I knew like... 
two or three songs because they play them on the most recent Madden. <laughs> okay. So I, otherwise, I, I didn't recognize done. any of the hip hop stuff, no, but I just old, I'm yeah. giving them credit for for Ludwig Van. Yeah. And that was when they were <laughs> that was when they were stretching. So they're trying to like create calm this it, calm, calm environment. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I guess we could kind of get into general just thought process of of players and things that we saw before we get there. How the attendance was good. It was packed in there, right? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a ton of room. I mean, basically, we had a sideline yeah, to pack. But it's into. just a practice. Yeah, yeah. And we saw Daryl Thompson. He yeah, walked right Darryl by Tom- us. That, that was great. That was fantastic. Daryl looked like he could he could walk right out there in pads and play. Yeah, man. he looks really good. He looks young. He does look young. And me, you, and Jim all sat and agreed that Daryl Thompson is probably one of the most uh, underappreciated Big Ten football Has players. Has to be. Yeah. I mean, that guy was a monster. Yeah. If he you was- If you made a all underrated Big Ten list, I think he would be right on there. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, I guess the f- uh, there was there was some impressive humans uh, that I'd like was, to that I'd like to point out. There so were what, some. So we'll yeah. start with uh, number twenty one, uh, Kamal Harris, linebacker. Okay. You know there there wasn't a ton of tackling going on. Um, there wasn't a ton of what I would say just physicalness no there was there was really not actually and i get that it's spring it was just on the lines basically they were there was you know and even then it was a lot of you know initial contact and they just stopped so it's probably tough to get a look at linebackers so i didn't see him making kamal harris making a ton of physical plays but he sure does look good in pads running around yeah, uh, he did, and I was impressed with how Zach Anikset has filled out. Yes, like he is a he was you know he was pretty pretty skinny last year. He is he looks like a Big Ten quarterback, and he was slinging the rock. Yeah, no, I definitely thought that uh, Anikset looked filled out. I think a lot of Gopher fans uh, that I uh, got I talked to about practice, the first person they asked about for quarterbacks was actually Ryan Clark, and Jacob Clark. Jacob Clark. Okay, thank you. And uh, I, I think his arm looked fine, but I think they expected it to look like Brett Favre's arm okay. on a college kid. It, it's, it wasn't that live to me, or to me, it was no more of a lively arm than Annex did. Okay, has. well, I felt stupid afterwards because I was watching, I think his name is Cole Kramer, and thinking that was Jacob Clark. Yeah. And I was like, so then I looked at the, the, the roster when I got home, like, oh, but yeah, wrong guy. Wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. So I don't I have no idea how Jacob Clark looked. He he looked he looked like he was still trying to figure out what he was doing. And it's hard to unleash the howitzer when you're not confident with, sure. you know, with throwing the yeah. ball. With that being said, I didn't think any of the quarterbacks looked fantastic in this practice. I saw Annex throw a couple that really impressed me. No, no doubt the arm is there. Like yeah. I was probably more impressed with his arm talent live than I mm-hmm. I did watching him one game in person and then on TV last year. But as far as where balls were supposed to go and completions made, um, yeah, there. It's, and I get that it's spring. Yeah, I mean he was re- routinely hitting that that cross or the, the slant. The I mean, slant. just to, That's to what Ty Johnson. It That's was what they do. It's almost like it. They can't ever not complete that yeah it's just automatic it's automatic yeah it's like a it's like a video game automatic with that i think one more impressive human being uh that stood out i would say we'd probably stand out on any football team uh daniel (laughs) falele mount falele jeez okay you know i i played at iowa you're you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a six foot five three hundred pound tackle he's Huge. He is the 
might be the biggest human being I've ever Well, he ever might seen. be the biggest guy in college football. So that would make sense that he sticks out that bit, that much. I do think he could trim down. Like, he, he has some bad weight on him, don't you think, a little bit? I I know it is a it is a known fact that offensive linemen sweat like, like nobody's business. Yeah. He looked like he just jumped in a swimming pool. Yeah. He had sweat through his pants, his shoulder pads. Yes. Like, he was drenched from head to toe because of, I think, what we're talking right. about. Right, right. Um, I would say, by and large – the 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 foot speed of both the tackles that I was looking mm-hmm. at was not something that was very impressive. In no. fact, we saw a certain offensive tackle. He kind of got his lunch handed to him a couple times. And, you know, credit back to the defensive lineman that was there. Overall, I think part of the issue that maybe the quarterbacks weren't looking good at times was because the offensive line in pass pro wasn't fantastic. No, it wasn't. And the – some of the younger guys were really struggling, but that's that's going to happen. Yeah. But there was there was some heavy feet out there, I guess, is is what I saw. Yep. And again, it's spring. Um, but I tell you what, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, he did not have heavy feet. That he looked exactly ball. like he does in the fall at at spring practice on Tuesday. I, so on TV, it, this doesn't come off, but he is really short. Yeah, he's I not. Could, he's he's built like your. I would say your prototypical running back, where he's you know he's under six foot tall. He's got the bowling ball ness to him. But, but he looks like five nine, five ten. Yeah, out in the pads. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't. Short. I didn't get real close to him. I was trying to spend more time getting close to Falele just to see how big he was. Okay, so the I thought Annex that looked good. Other than that, quarterbacks average. Uh, offensive line big, strong. Maybe a little slow. Yep. Wide receivers, fantastic. Yep. Running backs, the ones that were out there and actually practicing, fantastic. Overall, offense, I thought, looked really positive. Defensive line, I think, maybe. Yes. They're they're lacking some some bodies there, I think. So it's actually kind of interesting to me because the, the scouting report that I would have given on Minnesota before we got to the practice was essentially what you just said mm-hmm. right now, and I, I feel like that bore out. With what we saw, I'm I am still, I don't know if underwhelmed is the right word to use with their quarterbacks, but there's still a ton to prove. That's yeah, how I walked I out of the spring practice. I don't think there's any question uh, with the losses that they've had on the D line and with Cashman gone at linebacker that they've got issues in the front seven. I thought yep. I saw that, um, except for a couple different uh, uh, rushing the passer situations. They they looked you know, pretty questionable across the board. D-backs looked solid. Solid, I thought. Linebackers, yep. solid. Yeah. But if I think offense looks better than defense. Yep. But if there's a glaring weakness, probably D-line. Um, and typically in the spring, it's the defense that looks better in the offense. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, carries itself into the fall, which obviously we're still a long ways away. Um, I think there's one more impressive human being to talk about. Oh, who's that? that? That practice. <laughs> Heather Fleck made an appearance. Mm. Yes, impressive. Certainly. Her uh her uh yoga pants were doing great. I I thought they were they were I, doing good things for her. She looked good in her pants. Or maybe she was doing good things for the yoga pants. We found I mean, out something else about PJ Fleck. He's an ass man. <laughs> we knew we knew there was other assets that he very much enjoyed yes. with a female. I mean leopard sprint, leopard print on sure. the top yeah. and then the black yoga pants. I mean, she couldn't have come through any more than you would have thought that my, she would have come through. My first thought is, why is there a woman with no cred- credentials or, or Minnesota clothing on the field, on the practice field? 
And then she got, what, like 20 yards from us? And I said, holy crap, that's, that's Heather, Heather Fleck. Fleck. Yep, yep. And then I thought, what is Heather Fleck doing out there? So I think that gets us into just the general PJ talk, if we will. All right. Um, the thing that I walked away from already already knew this, but it's just it 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 drives home even more than um, what I thought of before is we are still determining the level of X's and O coachness from PJ Fleck, yeah. but his skills in the PR department, he couldn't be working any harder oh, at boy. what he's trying to get accomplished. So I learned that it doesn't stop at all the boat business. No. Wow. I was I couldn't believe it, it just goes on and on. So row the boat, the growth, growth with the row in yep. the middle. Necton. The Necton mentality. Necton. Do you know what that is? Well I had to look it up. Okay. But I know now it's and some... I want to I want to footnote reference uh another listener obviously uh Dan on Twitter, because I talked to him this week, and I said, "What? What the heck is that necton?" He goes, "It's it's a shark, and 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 it's no, it's not a shark. No, is it's it? a shark. Yeah, and it's okay. all about a necton shark attacks. It doesn't think. It it doesn't you know worry about what it's attacking. It's always advancing forward and eating and and going and going and going. That is the necton mentality. Okay, I, and I thought it had to take it a little further. I thought it had something to do with like. You you don't let the, your surroundings influence yes. your goal. I think that's all part of it. Right. Yep. So you just keep plowing ahead in one direction. Because what we're talking about is on both sides of the practice field is these sayings. There's an enormous banner that spans giant, probably 60 yards. I would easily say 60 And yards. there's every 10 yards, there's a different saying. There's it. a different saying. And um, I, I can't even remember some of the other ones. And I'm, I'm trying I, to look at this as honestly as I can. The one that I absolutely love is the ball is the program. I would steal that one if I was a coach. Hmm, because, that was pretty good, yeah. Because obviously, I mean, I'm pretty. I haven't looked deep into it, but I'm assuming that means don't fumble, don't throw right. interceptions, because that's how you lose games right. and lose games, loses the program, which I think is great. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's all about PR when he's t- when he takes over the microphone, the music cuts out, and it's all PJ. So me talking to my Gopher buddies about this, I don't know how much you've done it. It is an interesting conversation to me because. Each guy that I'm talking to that is a Gopher mm-hmm. fan is, you know, a somewhat middle-aged dude right. that is looking at PJ through the lens of a middle-aged sure. dude. And I I think them being honest with me, they're saying, you know, PJ is not my type of guy. I've yeah. heard several Gopher fans okay. say that to me. I don't think I'm stepping too far out with that. But the point is, is... He's not recruiting 40 Correct. I mean, it, all that matters is if he's an 18-year-old's kind of guy or a 16-year-old's kind of guy even. Correct. Because that's when you start recruiting the kids usually. And I watched him walk around practice. He does take the time to pop over to a position yeah. group and pick out which is typically going to be a star of the, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, sure. or, or in the backfield and go talk to him, stuff like that. Um, um, the... The other thing with, you know, PJ or just the the 10,000 foot view talking to Gopher fans is, yeah, maybe PJ is not my type of guy, but we've tried the Jerry kills and we've tried the this coach and the that coach. So let's go ahead and give the PJ Fleck situation. And, and, And I get that. And what they what Gopher fans, I think, that are in in the boat, um, what they are saying is. 
yeah, it, it's crazy that he's making the entire football program about PJ. Yeah. But what what else what, yeah, was what Minnesota going to sure. find at this point to to make them I get that. stand out? I get it. And that's what PJ is doing, you know, with the well, sure. the I mean, on the helmet. He, and, he brings attention to himself, to the program, which is a good thing, right? Correct. I mean, Big Ten Network did the show on him. He's he's a guest on Sirius XM radio all the time because the, the announcers love him. So that's that's a good thing. You yep. know, you want the national attention. And he's he's doing that, right? He's he's no doubt pulling that off. Um I even was having a conversation with a with a Hawkeye friend and we're comparing it to uh Iowa coaches. And I don't know. This is interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to you, our listeners, but he certainly is at the complete other end of the spectrum from Kirk Ferentz. I mean, I think that yes, almost goes without absolutely. saying. However, he's not at the complete other end of the spectrum from Hayden Fry. Hayden Fry was very much a showmanship type of coach when okay. he first came to Iowa. Yeah, He wanted eyeballs on him. Of course, right. there wasn't. Twitter and the internet and everything like that. But we're talking about a coach that once wore uh, bib overalls to a press conference after a game really? because a Minnesota okay. coach uh, called the Iowa team a bunch of farm boys or hillbillies or okay. something. So after Iowa won, uh, Coach Fry brought brought hillbilly clothes and brought it to the press conference to poke fun at the Minnesota coach. I'm just saying, like, this isn't the first showmanship type of coach. No, we've of course had. not. I mean, look at Harbaugh. The, right, right. I mean, PJ another version of Harbaugh, basically. Right. I think. I think there's something on the Harbaugh doesn't have as many little slogans as PJ, but they're 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 similar guy, like similar attitudes, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing when talking about PJ to go for fans, the ones that again are in the boat. After you talk through this with them, the next thing they say is, "Yeah, but." The guy can coach. He can coach. He, he coached well at Western. We'll see what happens here. He did. I thought he did a fantastic job in the second half of last season, but in the season half before that, you know, not quite as good. So we we still don't know yet. I don't think. So in your mind, him being an X's and O coach, a, a game day, you know, game plan, making adjustments, mm-hmm. coach. You you're not there yet with him. I think he's a good coach. I just don't know if he's a really good coach. Yet. Okay. Um, He's not a bad coach. That I'll say that for because sure. something I find interesting is that let me let me just throw this out. T- t- tell me what you think. So he coached in the MAC before, right? And mm-hmm. when you coach in the MAC, it is possible that you could get your team in a much better place simply by recruiting. Oh yeah, and keeping them fired up to play. And, and what he, I he did that. Okay, and what I mean by that is I don't I, I I'm much more of a power five than I am group of five guy. You're very rarely going to see me rank a group of five team over a power five team, you know, unless the the disparaging in the records is is a lot to me. I look at Fresno State last year, and interesting enough, Minnesota beat Fresno State. I think Fresno yep. State only lost two games, yep. and they wind up ranked that high. I don't think Fresno State would do that well in the Big Ten West. I don't think no, they have the talent so level and, and with that. So the point I'm trying to make is in a group of five type of conference, if you start out the season, okay, three and three, eh, maybe your team keeps playing, maybe they don't. Okay. Whereas you start out at three and three at Wisconsin or Michigan State, you know, there is pressure 
to keep that team up and going because it's a bigger football program. It's a bigger conference with more eyeballs. You're getting paid more. So long story short, you could make an argument if you were an anti-PJ person that winning games in a smaller group of five conference like that, it doesn't mean that equates over to your coaching ability once you get to a power five conference as prestigious as the big 10 yeah and i agree and i'll say one more thing about a conference like the mac there's less teams that have built-in advantages like there's no michigan and ohio state of the mac whereas that is a really like good point. pretty much every team has about the same you know history the same facilities you know an illinois or minnesota is never going to compete with michigan in Ohio State, but a Western Michigan can compete with anybody in the MAC because you never know who could pop up. Right? It literally is a. There's just more parity, I guess. There is. is what there I'm is. To that say. that is a really good point. I and along the lines of that, you will still see coaches that have had more success, whether it's typically an offensive coordinator or being a head coach at a lower division, moving up into obviously the Power Five conferences, which means the cream is rising to the top across the board and I don't think it's it's crazy to say that the cream would typically rise to the top for X's and O's game plan type of of coaches yeah. that can that can figure out a way to to take advantage of something that you know that they do on mm -hmm. on, on Saturdays so yeah okay which then I think leads right into what we decided to add last minute which is we're gonna go ahead and do the Big Ten coaches rankings all right all right so how we did this was uh I came up with a list independently mm -hmm. of Kurt. Uh, Kurt came up with his list independently of me. We had Deloitte and Touche uh, go ahead and <laughs> compile the. Actually, we just added added the numbers up and then divided by two. Is that our sponsor now? Yeah, and then the the lower the number, obviously, is the higher up you are in the rankings, and then vice versa. Um, we really didn't set any kind of protocol as to what we were using individually no. i'll just go ahead and tell you mine because i think go people would want to know that um i probably am not uh leaning as heavily on uh, uh, br uh forecasting out that does play. i'm not i'm not thinking about that really much at all in my I, I i used it in my mind but mostly it's about where the program is at now what that coach has done in the past um and probably just my overall gut feeling of that coach okay so my my biggest criteria was where is the program at now in comparison to the program's history okay um, that's really so good. it's not necessarily overall wins i'm not talking about just this coach has won more games than this coach it's relative to that program's history. Which is a great point. I would say your explanation is better than than mine as far as what okay. I use for factors because there is no doubt that uh, if, you, if you just extrapolate out mm -hmm. 50 years, 25, 30 years, the, uh, uh, where each team finishes in the Big Ten race is pretty equal to where it's going to finish in the next 15 right. to 20 yep. to 25 years, t things typically kind of even out like that. So last at 14th place, it's where this program, <laughs> program always winds up. Yeah. We have Chris, Chris Ash 14th and I had him 14th. You actually had him a spot up at, at 13th and, yep. and you had him listed as kick him in the ash. Kick him in the ash. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is nothing to point to right now 
if if I am a gigantic Chris Ash supporter, yep, and somebody says why, I don't. You don't have I, an answer. No, is that as big a reason as any that you're 14th? I think so. And you know, it's hard. You're at Rutgers. You're at the program that's least equipped to win. Is could he be a good coach somewhere else? Maybe, but it's just we're not seeing it yet at Rutgers. And I hope to see that change. He had good success as a D coordinator at Iowa State and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something to be said about that, but we haven't seen anything. And the yet. other thing about him I'll say is he doesn't like he doesn't come out as like a face of the program type of guy. No. Nope. He's just kind of He's not know, doing the PR stuff. No, and he's just I don't know, he's not got a great engaging personality, he's just kinda uh, okay. Yep. At 13, we have Mike Loxley. We just flip-flopped these. I had yep. Loxley at uh, 13. You had him 14th. Um, what pushed – there was a little bit of debate here if we had a tie. Yeah. We kind of talked through it except for two coaches we left tied, which we'll get to. But to me, Loxley gets the nod because he won a little bit – a few more games, I think, at his last coaching stint. And he's he is no doubt a phenomenal recruiter. I think he won – Gosh, what was it, like th- two games in two and a half years? At his... So it was that bad. It was atrocious. Okay. And not only was it bad on the field, it was bad off the field. Fighting with coaches. There was a, you know, like a, a sexual discrimination accusation that was like eventually thrown out. But it was a disgrace from start to finish, which is why I put him at the absolute bottom. You kind of almost talked me into thinking that maybe I should. I just I moved him up simply because of the work he's done at Alabama and and maybe this is something the the he went in the Nick Saban coaching clinic yep that has to I, I, wait I, for something right absolutely he's okay. got that in his resume now so you can make that argument all right next up at 12th is Indiana coach Tom Allen um we had these two flip-flopped our next two coaches I had uh, uh Allen at 12 you had him at 11 um hey things look a little bit more solid at Indiana. I think they have more talent than they've had in the past. Yep. Definitely face of a program type of guy. I high think energy so. guy. Yep. Uh defensive minded. You've been seeing that on the field a little step back last year. But two years ago, really good defense. I I, I like Tommy. I, I like what he's doing right now. I think I maybe would have had him a spot up had the defense looked better last year. Yeah, they took a step. You back. could, you could. I don't think there's any doubt. You could say that a big part of the reason that they didn't have, they did have a disappointing year is because the defense yeah. was bad. Yeah, or they took at a step the back. very least inconsistent. And if you're the, you're the face of the program with a defensive background, right? That's something you can't see very but, often. But he's recruiting well now too. Absolutely. Next up, I don't know. This might surprise some people. Uh, we got we got Lovey Smith or as. Uh, Big Kurt had him, the white beard. Um, hey, we talked about background. The dude coached in the Super Bowl. Yeah. He I mean, you you should be able to say the guy knows defense. You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell watching him last year. But I think it's safe to say he does know the X's knows of football very well. As and, good as anybody. And he's had a lot of success. Now yeah. it I suppose we could Talk differently about the fact that a lot of the success he's had is obviously at the NFL, and that doesn't always yeah. translate. No, it doesn't. Over to to college, so that that does play into it. But I mean, there's something to be said about taking your team to the NFC Championship and winning it. I don't know what else to say. That's a big deal to me. And With he, Rex Grossman, nonetheless. Yeah, that's right. And he <laughs> he 
went to another NFC Championship game and lost, I think, to the Packers. Okay. So, yeah. good he, resume. And I, it won four divisions, I believe, in nine years. Yeah. And what have they done since then? Not, Up until this last year, not, not much, much, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, next up, probably another one that would surprise a lot of people. Uh, we have Ryan Day. Um, I fully expect him to rocket up this I think so. list. But right now, he has literally been the head coach for, for three games. That's all we have to go off of other than how explosive the offense looked under his direction last year. The offense was explosive, but the defense was inconsistent and definitely underachieved. Yes, and you could also say that part of the reason that the offense was explosive is because he had such amazing uh, receivers yeah. and a first-round quarterback. However, the other side of it is, little-known fact, Iowa has or uh, uh, the Big Ten has not had a uh, first-round pick as a quarterback. Yeah, how many years? A long time. It's been a long time. It I might be remember. Jeff George. It, it has been a I've, long time. Was it uh, the Penn State guy, Kerry Collins, yes, maybe? Yes, Collins. That's is what that, it is. Was that the last that is first the rounder? Last, correct. He has been out of the That's league for like astounding. 10. Right. It's going to end now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins will be a, a first-round pick this year. Wow. And Ryan Day is a big part of that. Yeah, definitely. He, he did a great job calling plays. He's obviously very respected in within one of the most respected programs in the country. So I'm kind of projecting here because he's coached three games. You we can can't. actually we have put nothing him at 14 to go if you wanted to. I think, every, I think both of us think Ryan Day is higher up on this list, but you have to put some weight on the fact that we just haven't seen him run a football program yeah. all that much. And by the way, my nickname for him is The Quaff because that hair, man. He's got some thick, lush hair. He's got some good lettuce. All right. Next up at number nine. We got the boat boy, yep. PJ Fleck. Uh, again, we both had basically the same rankings here. We actually had Fleck and Day reversed. Um, you have to look at his success at Western Michigan and play yeah. into the ranking of where. Without a doubt. And he. he he has Minnesota pointing up in I think so in year two. I yep. mean the the uh, excitement level for Minnesota within Minnesota fans is up for the football team, and I Definitely would say that. nationally. And yep. a lot of that has to do with uh, PJ Fleck. We have obviously talked a ton about him on this podcast, um, but it's 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 a big year, and he's another person that could move up or down depending on how this year goes. Yeah, and I'll add that he's doing a good job on the recruiting trail. They're recruiting better than they were before, PJ. Not he's not this recruiting wonder that some people make him out to be. I mean, you know, they they've finished bottom half of the Big Ten every year he's he's been here, but at the same time, they are getting more talent than they've had in the past. Okay. So next up is the only tie we decided to keep, probably for good podcasting conversation. Tied at seventh, we have both Scott Frost and Jeff Brome. Um, makes sense because they are the, the demigods of coaches. Scott Frost is we, the OD, the original demigod. And then Jeff Brom was Brom next. is the demigod light. Yep. Um, the excitement level of the fan bases for these coaches. I mean, it's very, very high. high for Purdue. Yeah. It's literally skyrocketing atmosphere yes. in Lincoln for, for Scott Frost. Uh, I would personally, I, I think I could probably point to enough stuff to put Scott Frost a notch ahead, Brome, because he did take a UCF team to 13-0, and, 0, yeah, and that's something. Yeah, 
But we are ranking Big Ten coaches here, and he was four and eight in his only year so far, whereas Brom has been six and six both twice. Years. So, yeah. so that's and that's a step in the other direction there. And yep. uh, you have more resources and one would think better talent to step into Correct. at Nebraska than than Brome did at Purdue. Um, they are both very well known and and deserve a lot of credit for their offensive X's and O's. Yep. Um, I think it remains to be seen for both of them just how their defense is going to look over long stretches of time. Without a doubt. Um, I like the the pedigree that Scott Frost has with his Oregon history. Obviously, great job with Central Florida. Brom has kind of a a similar past, I guess, uh, Western Michigan. He uh, great, Western Kentucky. Or, sorry, Western K- Kentucky did a great job there prior to um, – Purdue, but not a whole lot to judge either one of these guys by, I think. At but, this point. but the other interesting thing that we talked about a little bit is I pointed out that, you know, it's been overstated time and time again that when Scott Frost took over uh, UCF, it was not in as bad a shape no. as people make it out to be. I know not they were awful the year before, they but were. they had won a ton of games. They had put yeah. a first round draft pick quarterback into and the league and Blake Bortles just a couple years before that. There was talent on the roster. And don't get me wrong, Frost made it sing. He 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 did stuff. But on the other side, Brome took over a roster and program that had been set up by Willie Taggart as well. Correct. That you pointed out. Yep. So it's kinda interesting they both took over programs that were that, healthy. Yes. Yeah. And then they, they took them even higher. They did. Um, At least offensively. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to it's see. It's interesting. What, what, I mean, these uh, two are tied together like that. I mean, and Brom's had an extra year in, too. So. Yeah, but I'm just curious to see what happens with Brom more than of these two. I'm more curious about what really? happens with Brom this year. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, so that gets us to the top half. And sixth place is Paul Christ. Uh, my guess is he would have been a little bit higher up before last year. Um well, you start. What's the thoughts on Paul Chris? Okay, he took over a program that was basically a fully loaded locomotive charging at maximum speed downhill, and he just jumped on. And they actually have slowed down a little bit. So maybe I should have this. I just Maybe I tucked myself into having this guy lower. There is a general conversation going on right now that Paul Christ is not – that great of coach. I don't know how else to word that. It's and, not very... and another thing, not a great face of the program guy. No, nope. doesn't really have a personality, which right? I think is bore out, in, which I think is bore out in recruiting a little bit. They haven't been off the charts recruiting for their classes. Like yeah, I, I well, would think you would, but I, typical for Wisconsin. I think they're recruiting about where they have historically, but he has not took them any higher. No, and, he has and not over the last, you know, eight or nine years when they've had a ton of success. It, it, the recruiting you would think would Should jump take up off that at much. some point when you're that consistently in not only the top 25, the top 10 or 12, which tells me maybe maybe this is the ceiling for Wisconsin. Remains to be seen, because and, if, and, they wanted- and if you're a Badger fan, do you what do you feel that Paul Christ will will he be the one that takes him up, takes him down or keeps him about right where they're at? Yeah, um, stuff. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll this see. is going to be a big year for him. It is a huge year. That brings us to number five, James Franklin. Um, as far as a roster builder. Oh, nobody better. Face of the program. Very good. Uh, program builder and PR person. Absolutely. Yes. He is, I check, would say, check, a check. nine and a half out of ten. Yes. In every one of those. As far as managing a game Oof. on Saturday, not so good. 
that probably is why he is at five, which is very good ranking. Don't yep. get me wrong. He he if if he figures out a little bit more of the X's and O's, he uh, could be really dangerous. Right? right, right. I wonder what do you think about development of players? That's another good question. I mean, it's not like they're not putting guys into the league, but now that you right. think of, I mean, Saquon. You know, no offense to the. Penn State strength and conditioning program, but I think Saquon was his own strength and conditioning program, the way right. that guy worked out in his internal drive. Um, yeah, you don't – there isn't a ton of, of Penn State players that you see jumping off the page as no. far as getting into the, into the draft. Well, remember a couple years ago they did have a bunch of players, but then you look at – then why weren't they better that year on the field? I mean, it's not that they had a bad year, but they – I mean – it was a. It was two years ago, I think. Right. Right. Where they just had all all the best freaks in the draft were from Penn State, and I don't know. Maybe they. Sh- maybe he's not achieving as well as he should be. It's an interesting debate. I do think most Penn State fans would agree with our assessment of yes, he's good at everything but the game day stuff. Yeah. All right, number four. I feel like this one's a little bit surprising to me. We have Jim Harbaugh as AKA Khaki Pants, as Big Kurt always likes to call him. I had Harbaugh. All the way up at second. Mm-hmm. Big Kurt had Harbaugh all the way down at six. Yeah, and I'm looking at that. I probably should have had him at four, but let's just keep him at six. Yeah. Um, listen, the this whole misnomer out there that Jim Harbaugh is an awful coach, it is it's overblown. It's overblown, absolutely. He took a team that has been awful before them and ever since in the San Francisco 49ers. He took them to within an eyelash. Of winning a Super Bowl. That means something. Well, let's not forget Stanford. And what then he did Stanford. For Stanford. I, I mean, mean the, the reason David Shaw is having success is because of Jim Harbaugh. He So he built a program in college yep. at, San, at uh, Stanford. He built an NFL team in a couple years. And the 49ers, they became, I would say, a more solid-based Michigan program. Mm-hmm. He is just getting drilled right now. Because of big games, and namely yeah, because of Ohio games. State. But before this past year, couldn't you make a case for him not quite, quite achieving what you think he should have the well, first couple of years, at, at first handful of years at Michigan? I would say officially now, after the Ohio State-Michigan game last year, he has underperformed what I thought Michigan would be at. Mm-hmm. But I still think, I'm going to reiterate it again, People act like the guy has gone six and six know. every year at Michigan, right. and it is it's gotten to the point. And he's brought a lot of that on himself with yeah, he sleeping over and himself, stuff yeah. like that, and taking climbing the, the tree a, or whatever the heck weird he did. jumping into pools and stuff like Beautiful. that. I do understand that, but any any uh, uh, fan wants to see their coach do everything they can to try to you know bring PR and, yeah. and players in. That's what Harbaugh's trying yeah, to do. Yeah, he, he brings attention to the program, face the program check, does all those things. He just needs to win a couple more big games. All right, coming in at third, probably something that will be controversial to some people is Kirk Ferentz. Yep. Um, I actually had Coach Ferentz at four. Uh, you had, quote-unquote, wet blanket oh, you, Kirk okay, at, at third. Um, wet blanket at number three, yep. There, now, I'm going to try not to go too off on this okay Okay. but i'd like to just share some thoughts um much like what we kind of just talked about with harbaugh the level of disdain that kirk ferentz gets from idiots on twitter it's similar to harbaugh isn't it it's 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 stupid i'm gonna try not to get too (laughs) you know have too much emotion in my voice here 
Um, it's hard for me to. I, I we have never tried to un, not hide our hide our bias here. We we are biased people. Yes. We are not members of the media. I'm an Iowa fan. You're an Illinois fan. Mm-hmm. We wear that on our sleeve. So I know him personally. I mean, that's been years yep. since I've hung out. But he is such a good guy. It's hard for me to not think about that stuff. Uh, with that being said. He's won National Coach of the Year multiple times, Big Ten Coach of the Year multiple times. Um, they are n- never bad. Never bad. And the, and way, the way people talk about how, well, I was going to be going to win is, eight wins every year. Win eight or nine games. When did, What's so wrong with that? <laughs> so, I'll take it. Sign me up. So the analogy, you know, I'm big into analogies that I used the other day is that the fact of the matter is, People, writers want something to write about. It's something for them to grab onto. Um, It's way cooler to have a TV show about how people got disgustingly obese and then (laughs) lost weight. Okay. Now let's have a TV show with him, this guy who ballooned up to 420 pounds and he got down to his still a little bit heavy weight of 240, right? right? Nobody wants a TV show of a guy that just weighed 208 pounds and he just stayed right around 208 pounds. Right. Because that's not interesting. That's how I define Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. Okay. Because he's he's clocking at 208 and he just he every just Every now and there. then he gets down to like 195. Yeah, sure, Sometimes okay. he gets up to a really muscular 220, you yep. know. And But for the most part, because it's right around the same thing, it, it's not cool. It's not, it's not something to, the to, national to write about. Yeah. And, then, and then the other thing, too, and we'll move on, but – you said the rankings of where the programs that That's, I want to bring that up. It's he is recruiting in a state of three million people yep. that that friggin' shares the state with another Division One BCS level yep. team to be able to pull in recruits at a decent clip. Does a good job and Develop them. Development is fantastic. So, but, but, it, but do you think he has elevated the program over the Fry era? It's about the same, isn't I, it? I would say it's about the same yeah. once you once you extrapolate out over their nineteen you know almost twenty year careers for both mm-hmm. of them um, during the o two o three o four year where they finished number eight in the country mm-hmm. um, he that was about as you know that was a high water mark right there yeah. um, I don't know I, I I I know the 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 negative that I understand using against him is that they do put so much talent into the NFL. They're going to probably have two first-rounders. Yeah. They might have four guys taken in the first two, maybe three rounds of the draft. Mm-hmm. Should there be more Should wins they have because better? they have that yeah. type of talent? I don't know. You're, I think you're, the way, where you're recruiting at, which is you know middle of the, the Big Ten, is, is typically where they're recruiting. It's hard to say in 2015, go 12-0 with that type of talent. Right. So I, I can't say he's underachieving. I don't think so. No. I think he's done a great job, and it's been a clean program. And, okay, we better move on. So that brings us to the top two. Number two, Pat Fitzgerald. Now, there's mm. a little bit of recency bias here, I would say. Okay, yeah, because he earlier in on his career, he was, you know, mostly around 500. Here, You know, he'd go above, he'd dip below. And then the last handful of years, he's really ratcheted up. So to, again, use your points of emphasis, where the program's at compared to historically where Northwestern's right. at. I mean, if you go back 
50, 60 years, it's it's undoubtedly higher than where it typically was. Right, at. but then you look at Randy Walker. Right. He had his his ups. Uh, you had um um, but with the guy before him, I'm, his name's escaping me from Colorado. He had he went to the Rose Bowl and won the Big Ten two years in a row. So they ha- they do have a history of spiking up. Starting at about 1994-95, that's when Northwestern football became a more modern yep. version of Northwestern football that we know now. But he's I would say done, he's maybe made it even more consistent because well, certainly the last few years. Yes. Yeah. But even before that, there's rarely a awful, awful Northwestern year. And I think that's almost because of. Right. Fancy. Yeah. They, they have not had awful teams while he's been there. Now, the one thing that comparing him to the person that's ranked right below him with Kirk Ferentz, he has yet to win the conference. It seems to be forgotten yeah. about a lot. He just got the first division win with them winning the big 10 yep. West previous to last year. There had, there had been none of that. No, that's true. That's so I true. would say for him to get to the top of the list, if he won a big 10 championship, I mean, that would be incredible. And even Walker shared a big 10 championship, right. I believe. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that brings us to number one, Mark D'Antonio. I yeah. don't know. I, I was not, uh, uh, not surprised to see him or as uh, Mr. Snake Oil. Yeah, as, as Kurt had him, Snake Oil D'Antonio. Hey, Snake Oil or not, um, he's had a lot of success. I don't Michigan care what State. he's selling, and if it's Snake Oil or not, he's winning games. And uh, he has elevated the program. There is no doubt that where the program was at. Now, they last year was average. Uh, three yeah. years ago was bad. Mm-hmm. In between that was another double-digit win, yep. and previous to those, the last three-year stint, they had never even come close to being as good as Michigan State was. Before you probably that. have to go back to the '60s, I would say, to see the this kind of sustained success at Michigan State. Nick Saban was unable to win as many games at Michigan State on a consistent That's basis. A good point, than Mark D'Antonio. I always forget <laughs> about Nick Saban at Michigan State. I mean, could that be the number one way to say? No, trust me, D'Antonio knows how to coach. And also with recruiting, he recruits well, but he doesn't recruit like top three, four in in the conference. So then in the debate of who develops players the best in the Big Ten, he is certainly I think so. In in the conversation for, for guys like that. He got him into a college football playoff, albeit they got waxed by Alabama, but And um, like it or not, he's got a certain personality, which I think is good for being the face of a program. And He's got that scowl in his face, all and the I time. think that fits good with Michigan State, yeah, because Michigan is, you know, and that's always... something we haven't mentioned at all yet is the fit in the program, which is so important. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll go back from bottom, bottom back to the top. Right. Fourteen, Chris Ash. Thirteen, Mike Loxley. Twelve, Tom Allen. Eleven, Lovey Smith. Tenth, Ryan Day. Ninth, PJ Fleck. Tied for seventh. Jeff Brome, Scott Frost, up to six is Paul Christ, James Franklin at number five, Jim Harbaugh, khaki pants at four, Kirk Ferentz at three, Pat Fitzgerald at two, and Mark D'Antonio, the composite. Awesome ranked. list. I think we did a great job. I think I, yeah. I think I think we did pretty good. My guess is if somebody that wrote for Rivals or stadium.com or something like that does this list it's probably going to be a 28 year old guy making the list and yep. all the quote-unquote old guys are going to be way ranked further down and the younger guys like for example they'd have ryan day way closer they'd have to, the, way up to the, the top well they'd basically take who has the most wins over you know any given period probably last three years even yeah and that guy's number one and it would it would go basically 
just based purely on wins, they wouldn't even take into consideration what program that that coach is at. And then they would take into consideration an article that they could write after that about why that coach should be fired because of yes, because we should probably point out how the yearly coach's hot seat thing that Big Kurt and I think is the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah. So basically, he would take this person doing the rankings for this mythical publication would take the first three ranked coaches and say these coaches are safe. The rest of them are on the hot seat. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? And by that, I mean the last two games, like right now. It's been two years since this guy won a Big Ten championship. Let's fire him. Thank you for saying that. I have wanted to say that on this podcast a ton of times. When I am reading an article mm-hmm. or you hear something you know, on Sports Talk Radio or a podcast, and they say something to the, along the lines of, you know, this program or this coach hasn't won a conference championship since 2004. 14 it's like <laughs> okay so he's doing pretty that, well huh that long ago <laughs> do you notice that you see yeah, that of stuff of course all the time all right so well we really appreciate you guys listening hope you guys had as much fun listening as we did compiling and going through that big kurt you got anything else you want to add I, i'm all out of info man okay uh so i'm jeffrey the greek and i'm big kurt this is the eyes on big Co- podcast we appreciate very much for listening thanks